0: Sovereign Grace Chapel, located at 135 Annabelle Lane in Beaver, West Virginia, invites you to listen to a gospel message concerning Jesus Christ our Lord. If you wish to follow along, turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, I want to read verses 9 through 18. Romans 3, 9 through 18. Paul asks a couple questions. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, and he's actually before proved in this letter. He's not talking about it some other occasion, some other place, though that certainly may be true. But he's talking about in this very letter, he's already proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, and his appeal, remember, is to the Scripture. As it is written, and let me also say this, he is quoting from a man who wrote these words. But the words, the truth, came from God Almighty. When he says it is written, this is God speaking through the prophet. It is written, there is none righteous, no not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together, together become unprofitable. That is, if we all got together and put forth our best effort, it is still unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Weird statement, isn't it? Their feet, not their hands. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Their ways. That means all their ways. And the way, see that? Singular, because there is not ways in this next verse. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, if I were to be asked to come to the, whether it be here in Beckley or more down my way in Princeton, if I were to be asked to come to the first such and such church, you all know of places like that, right? First Baptist Church or First Presbyterian Church or whatever it might be. I would venture to say that if I were asked to come to one of these places and I were to read these very verses, now you say, preacher, that'll never happen. Whenever I never thought I would preach my papa or my grandfather father on my father's side. I never thought I would preach his funeral either. So let us never tell God what won't happen. <laughs> never, never. If I were to read these verses amongst the Religious moral socialite, and you know what I'm talking about. The religious moral socialite, I am sure that they would recall at the wretched state of such people described in this verse, wouldn't they? Not remember, you see them on TV if, if you do watch it. I'm not encouraging you to watch it, but they're there with their little white hats on, and the men have their three-piece suits and their ties, and they're sitting there with their hands folded, maybe their Bible's on their lap, and they hear these verses read, and they would recoil at the state of such miserable wretches described here. They might even get together and say, we need to start a soup kitchen for folks like that. Don't you think? Well, the greatest soup kitchen that ever was Never saved one person. And that soup kitchen was ordained and orchestrated by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Because He took bread and fishes and fed thousands out of just a few, just a handful. That's a soup kitchen, wouldn't you say? And the people who were fed went to great lengths to follow Him. Why? Because they loved having their bellies fed. But when he began to teach them the truth of the absolute sovereignty of God in salvation, they got up and walked away. But if I were to read these verses amongst the independent, fundamental, owl-walking, Jesus-accepting crowd... I'm sure they would call for a soul-winning campaign to be done in the neighborhood that we might help rescue such wretches like that. Don't you figure they would? I used to be in a group of people like that. Oh, they might say, well, yes, some of us, some of us used to be like that. Yes, maybe some of us used to be like that. You know, old so-and-so back there in the back aisle. Old so-and-so over here, you know. They, they used to be like that, but, but we're saved now. We're saved now. Our Lord Jesus spoke about people like that as well. He said, You will compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when you've made him, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Paul talked of winning some, but not winning their soul, because man is cannot win another man's soul savingly. You may win a man's soul, but it won't be to Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the one who wins men and women's souls. But also, if I were to read these verses, that is Romans 3, 9 through 18, if I were to read them amongst the charismatic crowd, I'm sure there would be some of them that would seek to impress such wretches as this with their flesh-filled outwardly religious signs and maybe just coax a few of them out of the dregs. And they could do so. They could do so. But our Lord Jesus Christ said these words, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And if you need a sign, other than the one sign that Christ said was given, then you are of that wicked and adulterous generation. And that sign was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But on the flip side, on the flip side, there also are those, if I was to read these verses, amongst the crowd of the lewd baser sort. do You know what I'm talking about? James mentions people like that. Acts 17 and verse 5. Men of the lewd, baser sort. There I yeah, you. you. You redneck trash. Hmm? The people that love to gather up their four-wheelers on Sunday morning and go four-wheeling in the mud rather than going to worship God in the local assembly. Hmm? If I were to read these verses to them, They would scoff and excuse themselves because at least I'm not a religious hypocrite. Hmm? I'm not like them other three religious hypocritical groups. I'm not trying to be anything I'm not. You don't have to try to be this. You are this. Whether you like it or not. Whether you're amongst the religious, moral, socialite crowd, or you're amidst, amidst the independent, fundamental, owl-walking crowd, or whether you're amidst the charismatic crowd, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me read just a couple, couple verses here. Well, let me tell you something. We preach that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. But being a sinner is not your hope. Being a sinner will damn your soul forever apart from the free reigning grace of God Almighty in Christ Jesus. And Jesus Christ didn't just come to save sinners. He came to call sinners to repentance. That's what it means when he saves sinners that's what it means listen to what is said it's in the book of Job and I know the man that said it was applying it wrongly because he was applying it to Job he was trying to say Job you're like this but what he said still true and listen to what it says remember I at least I'm not a hypocrite I may go to hell but I won't go to hell with the hypocrites no if the hypocrite goes to hell you'll go to hell with the hypocrite but you won't even know him or her when you're there because you'll be by yourself forever, forever. Listen to what it says. (coughs) Let me find my spot. Knowest thou not this of old? Since man was placed upon earth, the triumphing of the wicked is short. It'll come to an end. Wait a minute. And the joy of the hypocrite, but for a moment. So they're both short. You see, God's not going to save you because you're willing to call out the hypocrite. God will save you based upon the person and work of his son, Jesus Christ, or you will not be saved. Now hear me now, don't, don't, don't turn your mind against what I'm saying here. My text describes me right now today standing behind this podium with my Bible open in front of me and my notes here in front of me. It describes me by nature. This is what I am and this describes you and this describes you and this describes you you. There is none righteous. That ought to be enough. But God says, no, not one. (laughs) No, not one. Now, here is my title. I realize this is not a pleasant subject. I realize it's not a pleasant subject. I realize that if I preach this message publicly in front of some of these people I just talked about earlier, they probably at best would never have me come back again. They may even run me out. I have experienced that personally. Here's my subject. Our universal, wretched (laughs) corruption. Now, as I have tried to point out often through this series from this book, When we find a passage that gives us a little trouble, when we find a passage that seems to condemn us, then don't try to self-justify to get away from the condemnation. You're only sticking your head in the sand. In willing ignorance to the truth of God. If this describes me, and it does, then I need to know the remedy for such a state as this. Right? Sticking my head in the sand will gain me no favor with God. Well, I just didn't know. Tell that to the police officer the next time you're going 75 in a 25 school zone. And just tell him, I just didn't know. If you tell him that, I hope he socks you with a $300 bill because it's nothing but self-justification before God. But we cannot justify ourselves before God because of the wickedness of someone else. There are thousands of people in this world that are better than me when you compare me to them. But this ain't what Paul's talking about here. I have four thoughts I want to give you. The first one is this. It's found in chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. All, all are under sin. Think of it. None righteous. But, folks, this is a specific righteousness that God is talking about here. Even our Lord said the Pharisees have a righteousness. Because your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. So Mason, he acknowledged they had a righteousness. But this is not the righteousness the writer is talking about, whether it's Paul or the prophet he was quoting from. This is God's righteousness. God does not require of us to be better than some other group among us he demands we must be as righteous as himself and there are preachers who deny that in pulpits every sunday sunday night wednesday whatever it is there is none righteous there's none that what understand well don't we can't we figure out calculus I mean, they do things now. What's it called? Quantum physics? I mean, it's like this to me. I, I, I've actually got online and listened to people explain quantum physics and I'm more confused now than I was when I began. Man understands a great deal but he don't understand God. He don't understand God. That's the problem. And even when he reads this book, he will say, "Well, that can't mean what it says." Why? Because he don't understand. There's none that what? And then he says it as it wait a bit. Yeah, there is none that seeketh after God. But I see thousands of people walking aisles. You could watch the old Billy Graham crusades and. Jack Madison, there'd be hundreds walking the aisles, but they weren't seeking God because you will seek God as God is, revealed in this book, or you are not seeking God at all. You see, somebody says, well, you're a literalist. Yes, I am a literalist. I am a literalist. But I also know that words have far more than just one little teeny tiny meaning. I indicated one earlier, and we'll look at it a little bit, and I don't have time to go into all these phrases and try to describe all the nuances. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Now maybe some karate expert has killed someone with his feet, but I don't know too many people going around killing folk with their feet, do you? So just hang on to that thought for a minute. Remember it as it is written. And whose word is this? This is God's pronouncement about us. Not how we see one another. I don't see this in other people sometimes. I look at other people and I th- I'm think i far worse than they are. Don't you? And there are other folks I look at and I think, I'm, I'm a little bit better than that. Huh? And probably so when we compare one worm to another worm. But this is the holy, the thrice holy God giving his sentence about how he sees us. And we are as God sees us, not as we see ourselves. None righteous. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. This is our Active discontent with God Himself, these three first phrases. It's active discontent with God Himself. The fact that we don't, there's none righteous, there's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God, is because we hate God's perfections. We hate God's holiness. We hate God's preeminence. We don't mind to worship God if God will let us have a little percentage of the fun and the merit and the credit. Now, do we? Don't mind it at all. As long as God gives me a little percentage of this thing. But God says, my glory, I will not share with another. He won't do it. He won't do it. You see, righteousness I don't care whether it's religious righteousness. There is some religious righteousness out there. There is denominational righteousness out there. Is there not? There are some people that are better than other people. But we're none righteous before God. There's none that understands God as we are by nature. And the dilemma for us was we was created in the image of God. But we are so depraved that that cannot be seen now. Mason, I believe to a degree, in some way, it's still true. James talks about that. And we ought not be cursing men, you know, but I mean, just damning everybody. Because everybody, everybody's bad. No, I'm not damning everybody. I'm telling us what God says we really are. Somebody said, but preacher, some of these people might be one of God's elect. No. No. Some of them are one of God's elect. But we're dealing with them like they are in this, in God's sight. And we need to quit wondering, well, they might be one of God's. That's not the point. This is the point. This is what we are by nature. And we need to expose ourselves and others to what we really are rather than patting them on the back and placating them thinking they might be one of God's elect. They may be a reprobate too. They may be a Judas Iscariot waiting to sell you out for less than 30 pieces of silver. Let us tell the truth to men and women about what they are in God's sight. And not placate them. Why? Because there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. But here's number two see our active, reckless abandon. Do you hear what I said? See our active, reckless abandon. They are all gone out of the way. Do you hear it? They're all gone out of. Now, it's an amazing thing. Because one, in our daddy Adam, we all at one time were in the way. We were okay. God said about us in our parents, Adam and Eve, that we were good. Did he not? And yet in our daddy Adam, what do we do? We went out of the way. But I'll tell you this, man also still has a conscience. And that conscience lets us know that some things are right and some things are wrong. We also, most of us, have eyes to see the glory of God's universe. And even creation testifies to the very Godhead of God Almighty. There are no true atheists. There are people who want to be atheists. They want to believe that there is no God. But their hearts and minds tell them better. It tells them better. Because even they, if you mess around with the atheist wife, you think he's going to love you? Well, we just all, we're we're here, we're evolving. And whatever we evolve into, that's just what we are. So if I evolve into someone that takes your wife away from you, what's wrong with that, Jack? Huh? How many people you know want to live like that? Oh, wait a minute, except for maybe that redneck trash. That's the way they live anyway, isn't it? I ain't supposed to say stuff like that, am I? I'm supposed to preach sovereign grace. Now, I'm talking about what God says we are. And we're all the same. Because God's looking down inside here, He's not looking out here. You see our reckless abandon? They're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. Unprofitable to who? To God. To God. God don't need us. If God saved one individual, it wasn't because God needed them. It's because God was pleased to manifest his grace and mercy in Christ. They're together become unprofitable. There are none that now think about this. You read this and you look out here in the world. I watch these commercials for St. Jude's Crippled, you know, the Crippled Children, the Cancer Hospital. And I tell my wife, I couldn't work there. I couldn't watch those little babies suffer and die. I couldn't do it. But I thank God there's some folks who can. Aren't you? I'm sure those parents that get invited to come there and take their babies there are glad there are men and women who do such good but we're not talking about that kind of good we're talking about god good in the sense that when the rich young ruler came and was very respectful even bowed down before jesus run to him and said good master What good thing might I do to inherit eternal life? And Christ didn't even acknowledge that to start with, did he? He said, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. You see, the rich young ruler had missed it from the get-go. Christ was good because Christ is God. But the rich young ruler, Mason, he didn't know Christ was God. He was just trying to kiss up. Hmm? He was just trying to kiss up and that's what some of your relatives, your blood kin are doing. They're just kissing up. God takes everything from you and makes you a pauper. See how long they hang around. Hmm? God puts you down and lets you fall back into the dregs of what you still are by nature. See how much they come around. Hmm? Or just preach the truth of christ to them and preach the truth of what they are to them they'll quit coming around unless god almighty moves in grace and sovereign mercy we have reckless abandon their throat and this ain't this ain't i'm a literalist but this ain't talk about having bad breath you understand what I'm saying? Their throat is an open sepulcher. Does that mean you got bad breath? Isn't that literal? I'm saying there's more to these words than just the physical meaning or some physical meaning. What comes out of us is rotten death before God. You see it? Their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues they have used deceit. And I'm guilty of it, and you're guilty of it. God says so, whether we see it or not. That's the whole point. It's not whether we see it. God says we're like this. God says this is your condition. You know what the glorious thing is, or a glorious thing is? is when God actually exposes that to you. When God actually lets you see what you really are. Because until you begin to see how bad you really are before him, you'll never really seek him as he is. You'll, you'll pretend him in your mind as you think he is just enough to get me where I need to go. Won't you do that? That God can be as sovereign as he wants as long as it ain't over me.